from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. Uh, and I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. <laughs> kind of wish there was like a wicked guitar solo in that intro. Right? I mean, we could always change it up. That's true. We, we've had the same one for 160 episodes or I'm, something like that. I'm pretty satisfied with it overall. There's just no solo. There is no solo. I mean... You could just riff on one man, like hook up your guitar one day and I'll just fucking a, go. I'll and bring a guitar sometime. <laughs> <laughs> just shred, like. <laughs> weedly, weedly. Just kick this thing off. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, before we get too deep here, um, I need to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Joining the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, uh, if you'd like to support us directly, head on over to patreon.com slash blindestudios or click on the patron link at the bottom of our homepage. And you can be as awesome as Black Belt Andy Thompson. <laughs> In a world. In a world. <laughs> where a man stands alone. <laughs> the, che- the cheese stands alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? Oh, boy. Big time fun at the brewery. We uh, tasted all of our barrels. Yeah, I saw you guys were uh, you guys were looking a little uh, little worn out oh, afterwards. Dude, I... You're just exhausted. Know, I forget how exhausting that is. Uh, honestly, we tasted through... And, and we're talking, you know, only like a few ounces uh, per person per barrel. Like, we basically just drilled you know you take a stainless steel drill bit and hose it down with alcohol you you know drill it into the barrel and then you you know we use a pint glass filled that up and then put a you know hose a stainless steel nail down with alcohol and put it in there um to stop it uh and then for the first part of the morning i think we got through i think there was I don't know, about 18 barrels. I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe like 18 barrels. And I think we did probably like seven or eight samples. And like the fatigue, not only on your palate, but just the fatigue like from trying to mentally... Mentally do all that. Right, like assessment. It's it's a lot of information that you're trying to Differentiation of, you know, it's the same beer, but it's in a different barrel. And Mm -hmm. they all taste so totally different. Um in a, in a sense, but also the same in a sense. And so it's, um, and, and I think for me personally, um, if it's, if it's really loud, uh, it's harder for me to, you know, focus and get that, uh, like the sensory. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and I, when I put earplugs in for when we were tasting it and, and I just kind of tried to approach it that way. Um, that makes sense though. I mean, yeah. You really got to focus on what you're smelling and tasting. Yep. So then out of all of the barrels, there were two that were infected. Uh, One had like an acetyl, like a green apple quality. So, you know, we knew that one was infected. And then the other one had a um, kind of like an end, like what was the beginning developments of something enteric. Um, And 
those two, I think, were kind of on us because those barrels did sit for a little longer, just happened to, um, you know, not have anything to put in them right when we got them. So they sat for a little longer than I'd like. They dried. They had a little more cracks, so a little more wax involved. And in any case, uh, you know, as much precaution as you can take, uh, sometimes barrels can be a wild card. Uh, and then another two, um, I... I'd really like to do a lot more research on this and, you know, maybe the, this will put a, a bug in some, you know, or a bee in someone's bonnet. But the other two barrels were a milk stout and they were highly oxidized. Um, and there, I have many, many questions and many thoughts about that, but that's for another time. That so. sounds like an episode. Well, yeah. So anyway, that said, we got, um, you know, the first batch, uh, out of the barrel, out of the barrels, into the bright tank, and ready. It's sitting there, chilling, ready for blending. Nice. All right. So uh, more to come on that, and then what is it next weekend? We have our. I'm asking you. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, Casey? Uh, what oh you, yeah, I think it is next Saturday. Uh, yeah, we'll have uh, like a big may, barrel or a bo- yeah, can release. I guess can release. Well, I don't know if the cans will be released. Well, I think they well. I'm not sure yet. Depends okay. on if the labels come in, but the the release of all of this stuff on draft is, is sure. the, the important thing here. And then uh, it'll be uh, three to four different barrel age, bourbon barrel aged uh, imperial stouts, uh, and then three uh, like m- mini sour projects. So nice. th- we literally just had like a a blonde and like an amber and then a darker amber, and they were in. Uh, rum and uh, there's one rum barrel and then gosh this is killing me next listen to the next episode now I can't remember what (laughs) I was like I can't remember there's so much stuff going on at the brewery so anyway three three true real barrel aged wooden barrel aged sours so that's awesome the real way Um, and they all taste great Uh, so fantastic if you're local that's next weekend at Hop and Barrel yeah. Uh, what about you, man? Um, let's see. Uh, so I went to Central Waters anniversary party oh, last that's week, right. uh, which was goddamn amazing again. <clears throat> yeah, the pictures I saw, man, it's pretty crowded. It's well. So you send me this this like <laughs> very vague description of your buddy. I know. I'm like, find the bald guy with. <laughs> I'm uh, like, I can see like thirty of them. A red face and glasses. <laughs> and they're like, you mean everybody without a beard? <laughs> that's not a woman. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, He's a short, bald guy that likes beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to actually try 21 on uh, Department of Defense after this. So that'll be that'll be neat. Uh, and yeah, no, I was it was all, I really like that release. It's just a ton of fun. Yeah, Jim brought some of that down. Yeah. Yeah. The other day. It's I mean, this this year's good. I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. damn good, man. Good barrel character. Yeah. Nice vanilla. Um, and then uh, making some changes to the home brewery. I I bit the uh, bit the bullet yesterday, and I have some stainless coming. Oh, no um, kidding! Yes, I bought two uh, stainless fermenters, okay. and with uh, with temperature control. So I'm sorry. With what? With temperature control. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Holy shit! Because I was, I'm sick and tired of not having that, yeah. and so I've been racking my brain on like, because I have limited space, yeah. And so 
the easy, like it wasn't the cheapest way, but the easiest way um, and the most economical way space wise was to have fermenters with it built in. So mm-hmm. I got uh, stainless steel brew buckets from uh, SS Brewtech. Cool. Uh, with uh, with the with the hemp thing, so I'm well, excited what, about that. Tell me, what is it? What is it like? A little so uh, it's it's glycol like glycol system. Or? Yeah. So well, uh, glycol or water. I'm probably like just, just gonna go. Water, yeah, yeah, just chilled water. I'm just gonna put the uh, put a bucket of water in the in the kegerator, and yeah. have that. And then that just circulates. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's like works. a stainless coil hanging out of the mm-hmm. hanging out of the lid, and so that just circulates through the beer with a little temp control on yeah, it. Yeah. The only problem. Not using glycol is that you're not going to be able to crash below a certain temp. Yeah, yeah. So otherwise it'll freeze. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, I could use glycol, and that would be really cool. I think I'm going to start with water, and then um, it's, it's good enough. Yeah, it's better. It's better than what I have right now. Yeah, which is nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can do some lager. That's that was the other thing. I can actually do some lagers. Um, First with, up, Foster's clone. <laughs> Make me a lager. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so especially with like some of the like the side by sides where we want to do um, like the water thing and stuff oh, like yeah. that, if I can have as much stuff controlled as possible, yeah, it'll help kind of, you know, yeah, bring that down a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what I what I've been uh, working on this weekend was doing some research mm. and spending money. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> life. Those tax returns, man, they oh, came back already. Oh, so. Really? Yeah. Wow, you must have filed, like, chop chop. Yeah, I, I filed, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So, I gotta get on that. It doesn't, um, take, it doesn't take that long. No, it's one of those things where as soon as I had my W-2, I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just do it now. Yeah, shut down or no. Yep. Well, and I thought it was gonna take forever with the shutdown, but... <clears throat> yeah, I did too. I think all that shit's automated, to be completely honest. I'm sure there's a big piece of it with the e-file that is, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right, yeah, other than that, not not a ton beer-related. Uh, went to oh, Burning Brothers Ooh. in St. Paul on the Friday. gluten-free one? I had no idea it was gluten-free until I left. Oh, are you shitting me? Yeah. I like I I was just like oh okay I'm drinking like I was like eh, the beers are okay like well yeah <laughs> I didn't know I <laughs> yeah. I was I was completely confused I, I for some reason I, I this was a number of years ago like kind of like right around when they were sort of starting up but to, on two different occasions I was next to them at a festival so I've palled around with those dudes a little bit in there. Good old-fashioned, wacky uh, brewer types. Uh, did, like, a brew at the zoo with them, and we were... Oh, nice. Screwing around and drinking a little. So, I've never been to the brewery, though. Yeah, well, it was... Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty dead for a uh, for a Friday. But now, like, once I learned that it was gluten-free, everything, like, kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're not making real beer. I mean, they're. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we get asked that all the time. I had some people that came in the brewery, and I, you know, for what it's worth, in our part of the world, in the Midwest and flyover country, like there's still a lot of people that don't really understand the format of a tap room. Yeah. And they're baffled by the fact that, wait, you only serve beer. Wait, I can't have ice water. I can have water out of a cooler. You know, like, yeah. wait, I can bring my dog, I can bring my kids, wait, what? I don't understand. I don't get it. And, you know, I'd, I've been at other bars and, and had other bar patrons say, how do you guys stay open just selling beer? And I'm like, well, we do kick a massive amount of beer out into the 
you know, the, the out, you know, liquor stores and bars. It's, and it's, it's like, yeah, literally all we do is beer. <laughs> we, we are, we are a distribution brewery. <laughs> like the tap room is just icing, you know, on the cake or whatever. Yeah. Do, so anyway. All right. Uh, well, should we talk about yes. some beer? We so should. we have, uh, the, <sighs> Dragon fruit cream ale in front of us. <laughs> did you hear the sigh that he just <laughs> did? <man>? Like, <sighs> <laughs> it's very uh, I don't, what would you like a magenta? He, yeah, that? he off very was like, well, I had to do fruit beer, <laughs> so I did dragon fruit. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is style 29A of the BJCP style um, guidelines. Um, and while you are looking that up, I will yeah. give you uh, a recipe if you're intrigued by that I sort of thing. Am. All right. So uh, 56% uh, six row. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, eight or about 19% uh, flake corn. Mm. Uh, about 12.5% two row. 12.5% uh, dextrose. Okay. Uh, and then we used uh, Hollertau for 14 IBUs at 60 minutes. Um, and then uh, just a quarter of an ounce of Hollertau with Flame Out uh, and fermented with uh, Y yeast 1056. Okay, now what was the idea behind using the six row in this recipe? Um, so the idea, and I'm trying to remember back to that episode now, uh, but <laughs> it was, uh, we were like, when we were going over the guidelines, so we we brewed this. This is one of the first. I think this might have been the very first beer that we brewed for the Every Style Challenge. What? Was the cream ale? Oh wow! Okay. Um, and so we just reused that recipe. Oh yeah, yeah I see. Um, yep. And so the the six row two row uh, was like a, it was like a really interesting like graininess, that countered some of the uh, like the corn sweetness. Okay. Another. I think the the reason why I was asking about that and now it was flaked corn not corn corn but if you were using corn corn the six row would provide uh, quite a bit more enzyme action than the two row would and mm-hmm. probably not probably it would help convert the corn convert the corn into from starch into sugar because the corn doesn't have those enzymes the this is a whole other show i don't know if we've done a, a show i don't think we have malt but yeah malt the it it has enzymes in it that break naturally break down Starch into sugar, but we can get into that another time. Yeah. We're on 29A fruit beer. So this is a harmonious marriage of fruit and beer, but still recognizable as beer. The fruit character should be evident, but in balance with the beer, uh, not so forward as to suggest an artificial product. Oh, I forgot to, I put uh, too much dragon fruit in here, I think, but we'll we'll, we'll be the judge of that. I guess we're going to find out. Um, so I, yeah, I, I basically uh, pureed two dragon fruits. What I, now I'm gonna get out of Google what I drink. So uh, it's like. that spiky looking weird ass red fruit, but not well Black Betty Rambutan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not a Rambu Rambutan, which I. You and your goddamn Facebook memes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Facebook is for me. It's a meme meme machine. Machine. I don't really do anything else on Facebook except for put stupid memes yeah. up. Yeah. That's it. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh. Basically, it's a it's a red a red fruit with a bunch of little, little tiny seeds in it. Okay. Um. When I tasted it, like I didn't get a ton of flavor from it. Oh. Um. But in here, like, there's there's definitely a a, a quality. Yeah, that is like I mean of I'm looking at it now and it's it looks like a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. 
but, but when you and you cut it in half and it, it kind of looks kind of cool. Like, it's it's a very interesting fruit, uh, and it was it was like I don't know. It it's fun to say. It's fun to look at. <laughs> we'll see if it's fun to drink. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So aroma, distinctive aromatics associated with the declared fruit should be noticeable in the aroma. However, note that some fruit, like raspberries or cherries, have stronger aromas and more, and are more distinctive than others, like blueberries, strawberries, and maybe dragon fruit. We'll find oh, out. Oh. So let's go ahead and give this as a little sniffsky. Taking it away from beer cam. I think like there's so there's there's a there's a fruity sweetness. Yep. But I'm not like familiar enough with dragon fruit to know. It's definitely some type of yeah fruitiness. Um, that's different than the, the like a almost like a sweetness, but it's different than like a malt sweet. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm gonna give this a thumbs up on aroma. It smells like fruit beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm good with that. All right. Um, appearance should be appropriate for the declared base beer and declared fruit. For lighter colored beers with fruits that exhibit distinctive colors, the color should be noticeable. I would say the color is very noticeable. Yeah, this is definitely. Um, what like what what color would you call this? Pinkish reddish. Yeah, like reddish. I, I was gonna go Red. like a, like a magenta. Like yeah, a, all right. I I don't know. Beer light is not helping me right now. No, it's not like. Yeah, there's some cloudiness in this beer. There's like some little seeds in the bottom of my glass that must have uh, oh. <laughs> escaped through. <laughs> through the chiller? Yep. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say the appearance looks looks yep. good. Like mm-hmm, it's... Mm-hmm. All right, so flavor. This is this is the important bit. Flavor. Um, why don't you go ahead and taste it while I read this here? Okay. Um, as with aroma, the distinctive uh, flavor character associated with the declared fruit should be noticeable. May range in intensity from subtle to aggressive. The balance of fruit uh, with the underlying beer is vital. The beer character should not be so artificial, or I'm sorry, the the fruit character should not be so artificial or inappropriately overpowering as to suggest a fruit juice drank. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get crunk off of this drink? <laughs> Hot bitterness, uh, flavor, malt flavors, alcohol content, and ferment- fermentation byproducts such as esters should be appropriate for the base beer and be harmonious and balanced with the distinctive fruit flavors present. Hmm. Okay. Thoughts? It's good. I mean, there's like, it, it's a little bit intense and then sort of just dies off into cream ale, like, but it doesn't die off completely. Mm-hmm. Which is good, and also uh, a good thing and good piece to this is that there's no, like, tannic quality yeah. to it, which I, I mean, for, for some reason, like, I think I had a knee-jerk to this, like, oh, like, it's pink or red, and oh, it's going to be sour. Yeah, cherries or right, raspberries. which it's not. I mean, every time I, appro- every time I get approached with a beer like this, this color, not to reiterate too hard here, but, like, it's usually a sour. Yep. So I'm I'm pleased by this that it's just it, it yeah it kind of subvert, mm-hmm. subverts uh, expectations that way yeah it's got a nice fruit quality there's no weird sour tannic nonsense it's actually kind of refreshing it is like I kind of wish it was like ninety degrees outside oh no shit well here what is it it's a balmy thirty six degrees it's uh, <laughs> seventy degrees higher than it was on Wednesday. It's time to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's shorts. It's shorts weather now. I went outside and I was like, "Oh shit! I don't even need a jacket. This is beautiful." Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna give a thumbs up on the flavor. I'm yeah, actually yeah. kind of surprised that it turned out the way it did. Yeah. Um, mouthfeel. Mouthfeel may vary depending on the base beer. Uh, 
selected and is appropriate to that base beer. I mean, so cream ale, uh, light body. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Carb is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, considering it went into a keg yesterday, it's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah uh, it, tur- it carved up fine overnight. So I'm happy Lovely. about that. All right, well. That's, uh, that, that, I'm just going to give this a thumbs up all around. Oh, I yeah, think. definitely. I, think we, uh, I don't have to brew another it. fruit beer. Yes. <laughs> I also put, like, yesterday I was like, I was fruiting like a motherfucker. Uh, so I put the cherries in the creek. I put the, uh, put the rhubarb in the wild sour. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll see how things go. Uh-huh. That was, that was fun, making rhubarb puree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we're going to talk about, uh, we're, we're going to do the second half of our uh, Brew Day Lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so measurements taking on uh, Brew Day. So before we did the pre-boil uh, stuff, everything that you want to take into account pre-boil. Uh, today we're going to talk about boil and post-boil. Um, so during the boil, there's not really a ton of stuff to really look at. No. Um, like, so what, what you do want to do, though, is the first thing you want to, like, check is the time to start the boil. Like, how long does it take you to go from, like, just the beer coming out of the mash tun and then getting up to a boil? Because mm-hmm. then you just, you kind of know, and it's just a good number to to keep in mind. And then it'll change with uh, with the temperature, like yep. if you're brewing outside. Oh, so, well, yeah, that's, I I think I said last time I brewed on, I've probably brewed on the coldest day of the year outside in a garage, and I've probably brewed on the hottest day outside in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing only a pair of swimming trunks. <laughs> yep. And so, I mean, uh, and maybe, maybe you have uh, an idea on this. When when should you take your OG reading? Like, or your, uh, your, pre, your pre-boil? As uh, soon as your kettle's full. Yeah, so, like, you don't want to, like, heat it and make sure everything's mixed first? Well, or? from, honestly, from an efficiency standpoint, by the time your kettle's full, you should should ought to be pretty getting pretty close to boil temp you should as soon as that is you know i mean you're when you're loudering and you want to be heating your kettle yeah, while you're while you're putting stuff in there. the only the only rub is that you have to i mean and we'll get to this uh farther down here um uh, with measuring um work samples we'll do we'll talk about hydrometer versus refractometer I mean, it's a good segue in, in any case, but a hydrometer versus refractometer, what you the big thing to worry about is the temperature mm-hmm. of the sample. So, yeah, well, as soon as as soon as you get to, you know, I, eyeball it because and keep an eye on the temp because as soon as you start getting, you know, um, wort into the kettle, you know, start eating that thing. You know, I mean, it's not gonna you're not gonna start. You're not going to boil anything off. It's you just. Well, are, but are you? Would you be worried about uh, caramelization? Um, and well, like I mean, if the, flame, if the flame's too high, yeah. Okay. Well, and, and there's not enough in the kettle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so like, I, so sometimes at the homebrew level, like you don't have a ton of liquid in there. That's right true. Away. So I guess you're loudering at, you know, a hundred and whatever you're mashing at fifty something. Yeah. So you're already pretty much up there, but you're going to lose. Some heat in the transfer, yeah. certainly. Um, so, I mean, you're already up there, but yeah, I mean, I would gauge, gauge, you know, your equipment and, you know, be smart about when you start it. Yeah. So, like, when, you, when your kettle's, like, a quarter 
yeah. pull, like start sure. the heat. Yeah, I can't like, tell you exactly when on your yeah. equipment, but yeah, don't don't do it when you have like barely an inch of wart in the bottom. Well, yeah, and then do, and don't put it on full blast until you're <laughs> until you're, you're you know more than half full or your kettle full. Yeah, so. you just want to keep it warming and get it yeah. ready. Um, yeah. All right. So. Yeah, so then, I mean, yeah, let's talk hydrometer versus refractometer for doing these calculations. Yep, as soon as you're done loudering, your kettle's full, grab yourself a hydro, uh, sample in your, in your um, I get, what do they, what would they call that? A graduated, uh, graduated cylinder. cylinder. Yeah, and um, you're going to want to chill that to room temp, I mean, 68 or yep. 70 is fine, whatever, get it, get it down. Uh, and then you can take your hydrometer reading. Refractometer, it's different. Um, Basically just uh, take your little pipette mm-hmm. and yeah. scoop some up. And by the time you put the drop that you need on there, mm-hmm. it's going to be down to the temperature you need. Yeah. Um, I So for for anything pre-fermentation, I love my refractometer. I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't even pull out my hydrometer anymore mm-hmm. um, because it it's so much faster. It's a smaller sample size. You don't have to wait for something to cool down. They're relatively inexpensive. Um, you won't shatter them immediately if you drop it. Uh, I I have broken so many hydrometers. Oh, yeah. Like it's the most common thing in the world to just destroy as a home brewer. Same with the graduated cylinder. Yep. Oh yeah, um, I've broken my fair share of those as well. Get a plastic one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I've even melted a plastic one. Okay. <laughs> we just we have a metal, like a metal one with a hook. At the, at the brewery, so. Um, but yeah, also uh, with the refractometer specifically, make sure you calibrate it with distilled water every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're getting good readings. Yeah, your refract- refractometer should come with a little screwdriver to make those adjustments yep. when you're calibrating. And then, you know, the the reason to take this OG kind of pushes us into the how you calculate boil off. Yep. Um, yeah, so, well, and then, so yeah, when... Like, as you're taking this, like, you're still transferring, probably, mm-hmm. or you're done transferring, and you're coming up to a boil. Also, uh, make sure that you that you take a note of what your pre, uh, pre-boil volume is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have kettle markings, like, I mean, a lot of people are using, you know, like, uh, like kegels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if you don't have that, get a ruler. Like yeah. just like a just like a stainless yardstick, yep. and just uh, one day, like before brew day, just take like a gallon jug and just dump it in there and take keep in or like look at where your yep. where where your markings are on the ruler, and you can even like either mark it on there with like a permanent marker or something, or uh, just take a note of it. Yep, keep it simple. You know, we'd uh, even on the I bet Dennis. Uh, it's Dennis uh, from Just Plain Wrong. He's brewing, but he also brews for uh, Inbound. Um, he literally has a metal ruler uh, that he turned into a hook, and it literally just hangs on the side of the kettle. And he, you know, he marks at at eighteen inches. It's this many, this many gallons, or yeah. blah blah blah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, this is one of, this is one of those DIY opportunities. I think this, this type of stuff is why I got into homebrewing because you, you make stuff. Yeah. So this is where you can kind of flex your, your creativity with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So then, uh, you also want to like check that, check that, uh, before, before you transfer it to like a fermenter, check that, check that volume. 
yeah. and that'll give you what your um what what your uh, boil off is. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you'll know like how much liquid you lose, and you can use that to figure out what kind of gravities you need to hit for uh, for for your pre boil <coughs> and your post boil. And again, that's going to change with weather. Oh yeah, and the humidity in the air. And well, yeah, I mean that's definitely humidity, pressure. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Pressure. Barometer. Barometer. Cloud. Nimbus. iCloud. <laughs> what? Oh. what? What are we doing? <laughs> um, and then, uh, like, look at your fermenter. Like, and then you can also use that pre-transfer volume to figure out what your trub or what, yeah, what your trub loss is. Yep. Like when you transfer uh, from the fermenter or from the kettle into the fermenter, mm-hmm. uh, and you know how much you lose there. So it's just you. You can kind of figure out. Where you're losing bits and pieces of your of your beer along the way. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the hop, the more hoppy the beer, um, the more loss you're going to experience. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot more liquid kind of caught up in that whole situation. All right, um, and then uh, we kind of just skipped over a step, but check and see, like look at uh, when you start your chill versus when you when you hit your your uh, your temp, like when you're done. Uh, especially those of us using immersion chillers mm-hmm. and counterflow chillers. Like we're not just going straight from the kettle into the fermenter. Like if you're using a, you know, a plate chiller. Yeah. You're going to experience loss all the way from a uh, kettle full flame on. I mean, that's why, you know, that's, what is it? You write to, God, what is it on a, on a five gallon? You write to seven gallons because you can expect about two gallons. Yeah, about two gallons of, so, of loss yeah. by, the, by the time you're, you're done. Yeah, at, our, at the, on the professional level, we write to like 17 and a half or 18 and then expect 15 okay. or so. It really depends. Um, but yeah, the, the way the equipment was set up and, and uh, designed, it was to right bigger because of loss mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah so and well and yeah so if your chill time if you're looking at like a chill time of like an hour mm-hmm. you need to fix something because you're gonna get like dms or something from that really slow chill yeah mm-hmm. as quickly as you can get it down to uh firm temp I'd, I'd say if you're if you're like in like the 15 20 minute region you probably don't need to worry too much about it is that about where you're at yeah okay yeah um any longer than that start to think of like either like pre-chill your water mm-hmm. look at a different chill method do something because <laughs> uh, yeah you, you just you need to get that cold break you need to like just bring that temp down yep all right um and then i guess the final thing would be to look at your brew house efficiency so you calculate this pretty much the exact same way that you calculate your your uh, your mash efficiency, mm-hmm. but use the final uh, you use your final OG um, to to get the number instead of what you're pulling out of the mash done. Right. Um, and so brew house efficiency, how important is that? Pretty pretty important. I mean, it it kind of it, it's you know it decides helps to decide how much you know grain you need to buy and uh how you need to write the recipe in a sense you know how much sugar you know or how much uh yeah how many how much sugar you're pulling out to feed to the yeast you know yeah all right well do you have anything you'd like to add this is kind of a quick and dirty yeah dirty run but interesting 
I don't, yeah, I don't. I, it's pretty straightforward stuff. I don't know if there's really a whole lot nope, more to dig into. I think this made into. a good part two. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, if there's something that you guys would like us to go deeper into, let oh, us yeah, know. Absolutely, let us know. Um, yeah. All right. All right, guys. Well, Play thanks for music. tuning in this week. Um, and yeah. Uh, oh, if you have any questions, comments, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blinderstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blinderstudios. Follow us on Twitter at blinderscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.